say, I'm super excited that this morning I get to welcome Emily up to the pulpit to preach for the first time. And so why don't we welcome her? She's, she's like a, yeah, come on, that's, that's enough. If you haven't actually heard her preach yet, don't get too excited. She's like a, like a little sister, but what I love about Emily is she's always looking at the next thing. And sometimes it can be to her detriment. And we had a conversation during the week about, because I am reasonably good at compartmentalising my life and just going, yeah, I'll deal with that later. And so the stress doesn't get me down. Emily, not so good. Um, and so she's like, it's easy for you to say that when I'm like, well, that's why it's good for me to remind you to do that. And so we kind of work well together. At times we work clashing together. But what I love about Emily, she's always looking at the next thing. And so you'll see standing behind me, somebody who's on team for the very first time this morning. And I'm not, I'm not going to make eye contact, but I will. But uh, Tegan's been on team. We had Georgia Lloyd worship leading for the first time last week, week before. Uh, we've got new people coming on the team in the next couple of weeks as well. And so that's one, one thing that I just love and want to celebrate about Emily today is she's always looking at that next thing, always looking at who can I, who can I push into that space? Because it's not easy, is it, Tegan? <laughs> and so, but Emily's got that ability to just nudge people and encourage people into that next zone. And so it's extremely exciting this morning to have her preaching on our platform. And so once again, why don't you put your hands together and welcome her. Thank you, Pastor John. <laughs> the irony you say I always, like I'm looking a little bit far forward, is that you get a lovely crossover episode in my preaching this morning because I was looking forward to December where we shift into a new theme, which is shift to celebrate which is exciting. And then I got asked to be flexible and change to whatever month we're in now, November, can't keep track, which is a totally different theme, but I'm gonna share with you this morning how they're totally closely linked. So, you know, looking forward isn't always a bad thing. Um, looking back is good as well. I'm gonna share a bit around that, but I wanna pray for us first. The top of my note says, breathe, always helpful, pray, and God will speak. So let me just pray for us this morning. Lord, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you have a word for us in this place this morning, one that will shift us to a place of celebration, Father, but will also shift our faith. So I thank you that the words that I speak are not my own, but they're from you and they have the power to change. So we give you all the glory and all the praise this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab your seats. Team, you can grab your seats. I kind of almost just wanted to keep you up here so I can brag about you because who knows we've got the best worship team in the world, genuinely. Pastor John has already shouted out to them, but um, uh, we've had lots happening in the second half of this year with Parkside launching and with Chris Kindlemark coming up and they are a team that I can consistently just be like, hey, <laughs> this is like literally Friday before our first Parkside service started. I was on the phone being like, hey, we're on, we've got a venue, we're going, can I call on you, can you be there? And I had every single team member just be like, yep, easy, what do I need to do? I'm so there. So they've been serving here and down at Parkside as well over the last couple of months, doing a fabulous job. And it's so exciting to see the growth that's happening in this church. Um, there is so much to celebrate. And that's what my message is about this morning. Um, 
as I lead the team, often through the microphone that you can't hear, which isn't the worst thing all the time, um, I actually just mumble my words all the time. I'm like, guys, take it back to the top verse, the thing that we're about to go into, it makes no sense. But I often think that it's kind of like going on a flight together. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we take off, and we do most weeks. No, we do every week. Uh, I'm hoping that this morning there'll be a little bit of in-flight entertainment for you. There is likely to be small periods of turbulence, uh, but ultimately, I hope that we land ourselves in a different location than where we actually started. Where are we travelling, I hear you ask? This morning, we're travelling to the land of celebration. Just had to get some music in there. It's a banger. Love a good tune. You guys can dance if you want, but I'm not going to put you through that. <laughs> no, you don't want me improv dancing, Aislin. Aislin taught me for a year. <laughs> she did good. Who knows that it's really easy to celebrate when the times are good. Celebrate good times is super easy. I, uh, I was thinking about a time where I was really, like, compelled to celebrate. It was Friday night, work... <laughs> Friday, I mean, that's reason to celebrate, Friday night, end of the working week. Uh, it had been a long week, and I rocked up at the Beatty's house, and there was carrot cake. And when I get carrot cake, you can not stop me from celebrating. Times are good. I actually, I cried <laughs> at the table, because I was that excited about carrot cake. It was good carrot cake. She's not even here. But um, if you ever get the chance to have some of Abigail's cakes, I would totally recommend it. But when times are good, it's so easy to celebrate. Every part of you just like, do you know what, you just explode with celebration. You can't help but dance. Celebrate good times. Super easy. But life is not always good, is it? There is not always reason to celebrate. So what do we do when the times are tough and when times are bad? I want to uh, encourage you this morning that in order to live in a place of celebration, which is where I believe God has called us to live out of, it actually doesn't just take us a shift in to celebrate, it takes us a shift in our faith. So celebration sometimes seems like a bit of a false response. Do you know when like, everything's going wrong and you're like, I'm good, it's great, it's fine, I'm just singing. So, and people are like, what are you doing? This is not good. This is not the time to celebrate, Emily happens sometimes. But I want to encourage you that celebration is not a false response to our situation, but it's actually the product of our faith in face of our trials. So celebration is not a false response. It's not about faking it until you make it, but it's actually the genuine product of our faith in the face of trials. So I went to the Bible. It's a good place to go. And I was reading in 2 Chronicles 20. Um, and I've put the whole, uh, the whole chapter in your Bible app. If you've got the YouVersion Bible app, you'll find that there's a bunch of verses in there. I'm going to refer to all of them and some extra ones. Um, and I'm not going to read all the way through 2 Chronicles this morning, but I'm going to give you the vibes and a little bit of the lowdown. Um, so there was a king of the people of God, and he had the worst name, <laughs> Yosefat. So don't call your kid that unless you want to set them up for a fail at school. Um, they say don't talk about people's weights. Uh, so they call the kid Yosefat <laughs> with a PH. It's just terrible. So don't look to the Old Testament for baby name inspirations. Uh, so I'll call him Jfat with a PH. 
He was in charge of the kingdom uh, of God's people and things were doing pretty sweet. He um, has just in the chapter before it appointed a whole bunch of like leaders and judges and worshippers and it's like all looking pretty chill in the town and he's got everything in order. And you know when you have life in order and you're like, oh my gosh, finally. Finally, I can just take a breath and things are going to be good for a while. And then next minute, the unexpected happens. Who has had those scenarios where you're like, it's chill, it's good, but then work throws a spanner at you and you're, I don't know, I had one week at work where it's like my senior went on leave and I had a student start and my junior changed to like a brand new person. So I was like flying solo while introducing two new people to work and the case list was full. And I was like, man, it was just feeling pretty sweet for a while there. So Jehoshaphat was in a good place and then this happens. So reading from 2 Chronicles 20, uh, in verse 2 it says, Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast army is coming against you from Edom, the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is Engedi. So he's just got everything in order, and next minute someone telling him that a massive army is coming to get him and all of his people. So I did a bit of a Google, uh, as you do, and worked out uh, where this vast army was coming from. Google Maps, good for getting you where you need to get to and doing some biblical historical investigation. So to get from En Gedi to where Jehoshaphat was in Jerusalem, it takes about two hours by car, or you can catch four buses, totaling six hours with a couple of transfers if you don't miss any. But apparently, I looked it up again this morning, and on a Sunday, you can get a direct bus there, which is very cool. So if you're traveling from those two places, go on a Sunday. Uh, if you're a cyclist, Lachlan, uh, you can cycle there in about four or five hours, depending on how fit you are. But most likely, back in the day, they were probably traveling by foot. And so... Depending on whether you take the direct or the scenic route, it took about like 12 or 13 hours for this army to get there. I don't know about you, but I'd be freaking out. (laughs) I'd be like, dang it, what do I got to do? Like, how am I going to come up against this army? This is terrifying. It's like a vast army is coming from all of these different places. In verse 1, it talks about all the different places the army is coming from. I would be freaking out. And I would probably be trying to control the situation. Be like, all right, what do I got to do? I can call up this person and they're probably free and they can probably do this. And I reckon I can grab a sword myself. I'm sure that'll work. Like I'll be problem solving like no end. If you know me, that's what I do. And then I'd probably just be like, stuff it all. I don't have time. Just take me. Whatever. It's all good. What is your response when you get thrown a battle or when you get something thrown your way that's unexpected? Do you try and take charge and take things into your own hands? Do you just give up and be like, hmm, whatever will be, will be. We'll just hang out for the next 13 hours and then we'll like party with the Lord. It's all good. But I believe that you can live in a place of celebration no matter what is coming your way or what situation that you are in. It just takes a shift in your faith. So today I hope to be able to give you some really practical examples of things that help me shift out of a place of complaint, because who knows I like to complain, into celebration. (laughs) 
a few people. It's fine. I know that I like to complain. It's kind of fun. Um, but I don't recommend it. Sometimes I just need a shift out of a place from complaint into celebration. When I need a shift out of a place from fear that grips me into faith. And so that I am able to, with God on my side, overcome whatever it is I find myself in. So I have three things for us this morning. And I realized I didn't plan it, but each point has two titles that are the same thing. It's like a slash. So the first thing, what do you do when you're faced with troubles and trials? The first thing that I am encouraging us all to think about, and I do myself, is to shift our gaze. Slash, look to God. I think the slash just is my way of making it really obvious, so it's not cryptic. So the first one is like the fun, catchy, kind of poetic title, and the other one's like the, this is what I mean. So shift your gaze, look to God. In verse 3, it goes on to say, alarmed, Jehoshaphat. And like, alarmed, what do you do? What does he do? I kind of want to know. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat, resolved to inquire of the Lord. Do you look to God when you're in trouble? Or do you try and do what I do and control it? and make things work, and do it in my own strength. Jehoshaphat looked to God. He knew where his help came from, and he knew where his answers would lie. So what's your response in a battle? Where do you first look? I am, surprisingly, when I have, like, preaching stories, they're often plant-based, and I'm not a gardener, but I found myself yet again in my garden, and, um, Dad, I actually, I must admit that I did nothing in the process of the picture I'm about to show you, except stand and observe other people planting my plant for me. Um, but I, uh, mom, and also Mum and Dad, kudos Mum and Dad, always got my back in everything. They ripped out the whole, like, gross dead stuff at the front of my uh, house and decided that I needed, like, a new hedging shrub thing. Um, and the Hancocks aren't here, so I'm not even going to try and pronounce the name, but... Like, it's a plant that grows into a hedge. And so, it uh, turns out you have to water plants, like, in a regular, <laughs> a regular basis in order for them to grow. Genius. Uh, and so, I found myself one Monday night crouching in front of my plant. Hey, Doss, have you got that first picture up there? Sorry, Mr. Schultz, I think is the formal term. Um, so, here is my plant. What's a Fetinia rob- robustia? It doesn't look very robusta in this picture. Um, it's like a stick with some leaves on it. And I legitimately was crouching in front of my plant with my, like, hose, <laughs> just being like, oh, my gosh, this is so much effort. Like, why, why can't it water itself? I even asked mum and dad, I'm like, so this thing is going to be like hedging by Christmas time, isn't it? Like, seriously, hurry the thing up. Uh, so I was just grumpy, and uh, we don't need big issues in life to get the grumps on, do we? I, like, I get grumpy about lots of little things. So I'm, I'm genuinely just complaining about my plant and how it's not growing. And the Lord speaks to me in wild and mysterious ways. Uh, and I just heard the verse, don't despise small beginnings. I was like, oh. I was really enjoying my complaining. <laughs> it was making me feel good. But don't despise your small beginnings. And for whatever reason, I decided to lift my eyes and look up. And picture two, Hados, up the top there, the big bushy thing, if you can see it, the only thing that's in focus, that is what that is going to be. 
in the future. I looked up and I saw the exact plant that I had planted in its fullness, in all of its lovely, luscious glory, hedging as it should in my neighbour's backyard. And I thought, how incredible is that picture? Because when we focus in on our complaints or the little things, we can't actually see beyond our immediate situation. And I know all that would have happened is I would have got complainy and I would have got a little despondent about my stupid little plant that wasn't growing as quick as I wanted it to and I would have just not watered it because I would have been like, stuff it, it's not worth it, it's not doing anything, I'm just going to forget about you. When you focus on complaint, we minimise our view and we can't actually see beyond our immediate situation. So I started celebrating my plant. I was like, gosh, you're so good. <laughs> you're amazing. You're just going to grow so big and strong one day. <laughs> and I shifted my response to celebration. It's like, hey, I have a plant in my garden and it is still alive. And I didn't have to do anything to get it there. And yeah, I got to water it. But hey, how's the sunshine that I'm getting while I'm watering? There is so much good out here. The birds are chirping. I'm actually just going to pause. Squatting to hose it is great for my like exercise. Like there's so much good in this situation. And as we shift our focus to celebration, we give ourselves the chance to lift our eyes to see the hope of what could, I was going to say actually what could be, but actually I want to rephrase it and say what will be. Because that will be my plant one day. Despite it being that now, I've got one more picture for you just to celebrate. Check the new growth. It's got like a little red hairdo on top. It's totally happy. It's loving life. I'm watering it every Monday at 7.30 when Siri reminds me to water my plants. Uh, and it is growing. But there are little things in our life. <laughs> Thanks, Anna. There are so many small little things in my life that I actually, if I'm focusing in on them, I forget to celebrate. I forget to lift my eyes up to look to God and what he is doing. In Romans 8 verse 6, it says, The mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed, governed by the spirit is life and peace. When I fix my mind on the fleshy things, on the fear, on the complaint, on the stuff that's going wrong, on often it's looking too far forward and being like, but this could happen or this could happen and what if this happened? And I just get like, <sighs> tizzed. I get totally tizzed and freaked out. That's me focusing on the flesh. But the mind governed by the spirit or the mind that looks to God and his promises is one of life and of peace. In two, uh, like in the story in 2 Chronicles, I keep thinking I'm going to say 2 Corinthians. They're very different. 2 Chronicles, in verse 12, it goes on, and this is what Jehoshaphat proclaims. He says, Our God, will you not judge them? That's the army coming towards them. Will you not deal with them? For we don't have the power to face this vast army that is attacking us. I think sometimes we just have to acknowledge that, hey, I can't do it. I don't have the power. It's not going to be by me. And this verse is probably now, I'm going to say my favourite verse after this week. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. When you don't know what to do with your situation, maybe you've got to make a decision about work. Maybe you've got health issues in your family. Maybe you don't know where the bill is going to get paid from. We don't know what to do. I can't work this out on my own, God. So I look to you. My eyes are on you. And then Jehoshaphat goes on 
to tell all of the assembly, all of the people of God about the things that God has done for him in the past. So reading from verse 5, skipping a little bit at the start, he says, Lord, the the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people of Israel and give it to them forever? God, have you not made me a promise and told me how things are going to be? You've given this to us and I'm standing on that promise. In verse 9 it says, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague, maybe you're feeling like you've got a bit of a plague in your life, or famine, maybe you feel like you haven't got much in your life. But if those things come upon us, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress. You will hear us and save us. I love how he goes back over the things that have happened in the past. And he goes, well, God, I don't know what to do in this situation, but my eyes are on you and I know what you can do, God, because I look back and I see your hand in this. I know that you've promised us this land. I know that you have won battles for us before. I can celebrate because I celebrate where God has brought me so far, knowing that he can continue to do that good work in my life. I, um, I work as an occupational therapist in a hospital that has been the source of many complaints uh, over the years. Not necessarily confounded in anything, but as you're getting the picture, it's really easy to complain. Um, and I found myself with the privilege of sitting in on some new graduate interviews a couple of weeks ago. Um, and as I sat there, I was completely reminded of the goodness of God because seven years ago, I won a new graduate position there and I've been there ever since. And there has been so much blessing in my job. There has been the ability um, to take a day off work permanently, once a week, so that I can spend some time in the office here on a Monday. Uh, If I was a physio, uh, I would have to work weekends. I really wanted to be a physio. I complained about that too. But that worked out. God knows what he's doing in our lives. And so by looking back at the places God has brought me through in my work, how he's positioned me and how he has put me in a team that I love and get so much joy out of, I'm reminded that everything else I continue to face at work, he has in his hand. So maybe today you simply just need to think about something that God has broken through for you in the past and go, all right, God, if you've done it then, I know that you're going to do it again. I'm fixing my eyes to you. I am looking to you for my answers. And if you can't think of anything in your life, can I encourage you to get around other people in your connect groups, share your testimonies, share the things that God has done and is doing for you. Because if you can't find it in your own world or you can't shift your focus yourself, sometimes we just need someone else to be like, lift it up, look above your circumstance. Do you see this, this and that? It's not worth doing it alone. We're actually called to do this together. So celebration, I believe, changes our perspective. When we start to ch- and, and choose to look at the bright side of things, it changes our perspective well before it changes our circumstance. And it means that we can actually walk through our circumstances with hope, with life and with a future. So what has God promised you? I would so encourage you, if you don't know how to look to God, look to the Bible and find a verse 
Find something that can just underpin what it is that you're going through. Perhaps um, I know that for many people, you've got loved ones that aren't in the house and that you've been praying for. You, you might find that Psalm 23 is a prayer that you can pray over them. It says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all of my days, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Maybe that's something you're declaring for someone else. Or maybe you're just feeling totally trapped by fear and anxiety. So maybe Colossians 3.18 is a verse that you stand upon to lift your eyes. It's where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. Maybe you've got just trials, just stuff going on. I know that there are people walking through huge things at the moment and there are also the little things. God actually sees it all. Often we say God is a God of the impossible and so we think of these gigantic scenarios that we have to overcome. But I think sometimes that means we write off the little things as impossible because we think they're irrelevant. But they're not irrelevant to God. So that little thing that's causing you stress is actually not too small for God. And that big situation you're walking through is also not too big for him. He's the God that covers everything. And he says, take heart in John 16, verse 33. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Great. Thank you. But take heart because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Lift your eyes to Jesus. Pray to him. Speak to him. God works for the good, sorry, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And Romans 8.28 is another one that I love going back to is we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him according to, and have been called according to his purpose. If you don't know what God has promised you and you've got nothing to stand on to help you be uh, stable, to help you be able to lift your eyes above your situation, I would so encourage you to get around other people to get into the Word of God and to find just one scripture that you can stand upon and that you can proclaim over your scenario. Another shift that has been uh, continual for me, and I suspect continual for lots of people, as are most of these things, I'm not up here because I'm perfect. I'm actually far from it. Um, and I... No one put their hand up for that one. That's kind. Thank you. Um, but I am. I make mistakes. I do things not because I'm confident in them. I'm actually terrified most of the time, but I do it anyway because I know who my God is. Um, and the second point I have for you of something that I have found has been helpful for me to shift when I need to shift from a place of complaint to celebration, from fear into faith, is to shift my speech slash change your tune. Shift your speech or change your tune. In the face of trials, as I said, celebration often doesn't make sense. Celebration is not necessarily the like, I mean, sometimes it's not the kosher thing to do. Uh, sometimes it's not the time for it, seemingly. Sometimes it just makes no sense. I've often heard close friends say, now is not the time. Emily, uh, I've written here, Good but poorly timed jokes, because the jokes are always good, guaranteed. Uh, and I would say they're also well-timed as well, if I'm going to back myself. Incessant clicking. Like, I had a student point out to me the other day. She's like, I can always hear you coming, because you just do this. I do, yeah. I had no idea. Um, 
And the other thing I've written here, which some of the youth girls might know about, is duck Pringles. So was like, I, I look after your teenagers. They're in great hands. Deep, meaningful conversations about life and all sorts of things. And there I was sitting in the corner with a Pringles. If you get two of them, flip them on themselves, and then put them in your mouth, you look like you've got a duck beak. <laughs> now is not the time, Emily. But actually, it's always the time to celebrate and to worship God. <sighs> Do you guys remember that? I'll pull it out again. It's fine. <laughs> Guaranteed won't be a one-time only thing. <coughs> Friday night. It's fun. Um, you. Um, <laughs> so there's a cup of water over here that I should probably be drinking from. Tide's a little bit out, but that's okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> Now is not the time, Emily. <laughs> so if, you, uh, if I was like casually walking with my cup of water and Aislinn decided to kick me in the back of the knee, I'd spill my water, wouldn't I? I'd spill water, probably. I'm not that coordinated. Um, she wouldn't do that either. She's very kind. Uh, I'd probably just bump into something and, um, whoop, there goes all of my water on the floor. So why did I spill the water? Was it because Aislinn gently nudged me in the back of the knee? Was it because I have bad coordination? <laughs> was it because the glass was too full? Or was it because there's water in the glass? If I was holding a cup of coffee, I would have spilt coffee. So why did I spill water? It's because my cup was full of water. Mm, not my original thought, but I'll take it. Um, I often have coffee in my cup instead of water as well. Perpetually dehydrated. Hydrate, feel great. Fun little tip, not in my message, but just a bonus. So what is in your cup? Because who knows that life happens and life pushes you around and life kicks you in the back of the knee and then sometimes stomps on you while you're down. What are you going to pour out of your cup when you get bumped? You're going to pour out of your cup what you've decided to fill your cup with. So I want my cup to be filled with good stuff so that when I do get bumped, because, hey, who knows, when we go back to that other verse, on here on earth you have many trials and many sorrows. So my cup is going to get bumped, but what am I going to choose to fill it with? Because that's what I'm going to pour out on the people around me. Now, I know there have been times in life where the stuff that has poured out of my cup has not been great. And it has been, uh, yeah, it's just not great. It's terrible. I say bad things about people. I get frustrated at them. I sometimes call them names. Not terribly bad ones, but I call myself bad things. Like stuff comes out of my cup that is not tasty. So how do you fill up your cup with something different? I believe that by changing our tune and by worshipping God, we can fill up our cup with different things so that when we get bumped, that's what pours out of us. So after Jehoshaphat has um, armies coming, 12 hours away, terrified, what do I do? I'm going to look to God first and I'm going to see what he says. 
And then in verse 18 it says, uh, following this, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground and all of the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Can I just say, you guys sounded amazing this morning. (laughs) Not the musicians, they sounded amazing, but you guys sounded amazing. There was a particular point where, uh, in Sing Louder, where I just stopped and legitimately, I love when the song tells you what to do, it's like, sing louder and I could hear the echo of praise in this place. It's actually about singing sometimes with a loud voice and declaring things that you're not quite confident about yet but doing it to move you. Because know that sometimes what comes out of your mouth is like a little bit of a mixed drink. It's sort of like a little bit of praise, a little bit of complaint, a little bit of like encouragement and a little bit of criticism. We're human, it happens. But uh, in Matthew 5.11, there's a couple of verses actually where it talks about the power of the tongue. Matthew 5.11, it says, It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but you're defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. And so actually the words that come out of our mouth are the things that pour out of our spirit. And so it's a reflection that maybe that, hey, there's some stuff that's just happening in my heart. There's some attitudes that maybe I've picked up along the way. Maybe there's some offense I've picked up along the way. And I can see that that's pouring out. But I reckon we can use it in both ways because sometimes I think we have to start declaring the truth before we actually start to believe it. So we were singing a song this morning, You Are Good. It says, find me here, open heart and open hands. But I'm not going to let go of my finances, God, because I need to hang on to them tightly. Speak to me, breathing life into these bones. But the flesh is weary today, (laughs) so I might just stay home. And I'll worship you forever. For eternity, I'll sing that you are good. But I don't really think that you know what you're doing right now because my situation is not great. So if you can leave it to me, that'll be awesome. And uh, I'll sort my stuff out, come back, love you, thanks, worship you forever. Who knows that we can get mixed worship happening. That's what comes out of my mouth sometimes. So I lead the team. I can only imagine that it's something we can all relate to. But can I encourage you to continue to keep check on the words that are coming out of your mouth because they're the things that are going to keep check on our heart and what's in our cup and what we're going to pour out when we get pushed by trials. You know, sometimes it might just be about changing, I say, your emoji that you add to it in a message. Who knows that emojis are really helpful? And I found myself often when things happen being like, God, what are you doing? Grumpy-faced, like downward-turned emoji. And a step forward for me was actually just going, oh, I noticed that and I'm going to change my emoji. I'm going to say, God, what are you doing with like curious thumb checking emoji? Because I have learned that God is always up to something. God is always up to something. And the final point I have for you, I've just noticed the time. I'm not very good at looking at the clock. But my final point I have for you is that you need to shift your stance. Respond to God in faith and take action. Back in verse 12, it says, We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. As we lift our eyes, as we shift our speech and the proclamation of our mouth, are you also ready to do what it is that God asks of you? That's where faith really kicks in. 
So Jehoshaphat inquired of the Lord, and this is what he said. He said, stop eating, go for a fast, put your musicians out front of your army. Have you seen our musicians? They're fantastic, but I wouldn't put them in front of an army. And get up early and walk towards your enemy. Walk towards the battle. Like, it makes no sense. Starve yourself so you're hangry. (laughs) Put your weakest links out front when it comes to wielding a sword. (laughs) When it comes to wielding a sword, musicians, I love you. But most of you don't hit the security team at Chris Kindlemark for reasons that I won't say here. And get up early, like three of my least favourite things. I hate getting up early. But in verse 17, they know I love them. In verse 17, it says, You will not have to fight this battle, but I will ask you to take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance that the Lord will give you. And in verse 22, it says, As they began to sing and to praise, as they shifted into a place of celebration, the Lord set an ambush against the men, the other armies, and they were defeated. And God was victorious. Do you know, we don't always have to understand how God works. We just need to trust that he does work. So can I encourage you to think about those random things that you have heard from God that he said, do this, maybe shift this in your workplace, maybe shift this in your world, shift this in your relationship. Listen to them and actually talk to someone about them, but they're going to take faith to activate, but he calls us to respond to him. And if you've still got my back, I'd love to invite the musicians back up. (laughs) Thank you. Hesitation, but it's all good. What is the point of all of this if Jesus isn't who he says he is? Because shifting your words alone has no power unless you shift them to the powerful words of Jesus Christ, whose words don't come back void. And how do you lift your eyes to someone who is not there? And who will fight for you if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is king of all and has authority in everything and will be able to have your back wherever you go? And so the final shift that I want to encourage you today is to shift towards God because the rest of it is nothing without Him. In 1 John 5:12, it says, Whoever has the Son has life. And whoever does not have the Son doesn't have life. It's like one of those really easy equations. I want to have the Son of God because I want to have life. And in Hebrews 12 verse 1, I think we read about the, um, the most significant challenge that anyone has had to face. It was when Jesus went to the cross and this is how He responded. It says, Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, not because the cross was a pleasant experience, but because He knew what was at the other side of it. He knew that your salvation was at the other side of the cross. And so He endured it with joy and with celebration. I want to pray for us as I close this morning. I'm going to invite Pastor John up as well. But Lord, I thank You that You have spoken to us this morning. I thank You that in this place that we're able to shift ourselves from complaint to celebration. Father, we're able to lift our eyes up to You and shift ourselves from a place of fear to a place of faith. We thank You that You are good and we will worship You forever. We thank You most of all for Your Son, Jesus Christ, 
who you sent to the cross so that we could be secure in our life and we could live life to the full. We give you all the glory and all the praise this morning. Amen.